I am Alex Stelay, and this is Vision Vibes, the podcast that introduces you to the leaders and visionaries who are changing our world. This story was originally broadcast on television as part of NHK World Japan's interview series, Direct Talk. When we think of how to include migrants and refugees into our community, a lot of people fit into one of two camps. On the one hand, you have those who believe the economy should always come first. Social issues will solve themselves when society flourishes. On the other hand, you have those who believe we must prioritize social issues. First, we make sure no one is left behind, and then we focus on wealth creation. The problem with both of these approaches is that they see migration as an issue, a burden on society, when in reality, it doesn't have to be. When we value marginalized communities for who they are, when we integrate their unique culture and talents into the economy, everyone thrives. Malaysian social entrepreneur Sasabai Kimis recognized the extraordinary value that diversity can bring to society. Sasabai is the founder of Earthhair, a company which brings the craftsmanship of refugees and minority communities into the high-end market. By providing opportunities, she's not doing charity work. She's pursuing a business opportunity. Is it possible to have a healthy, profitable business model that also helps people in need? Let's join today's narrator, Chris Kaprowski, and find out on this episode of Vision Vibes. Our guest today is Sasabai Kimis, a social entrepreneur based in Malaysia. Kimis operates an enterprise called Earth Air, which sells unique high-end bags and jewelry made by refugees and local artisans with traditional skills. Kimis works with artisans from marginalized communities. She believes that encouraging them to blend traditional craftsmanship with modern and luxury designs helps enrich their lives. And it creates a deeper impact and added value for both the artisans and the people who buy their products. I don't want people to buy the jewelry because, oh, it's helping refugees. I want them to first buy the product because it's beautiful, right? So the earrings look nice. Wow. Oh, then the fact that it's made by refugees or it's made by Orang Asli or it's made by a marginalized community in Malaysia is like a bonus, like the story of the brand and, and how we try to showcase our products is not by telling people to buy to help, but by telling people about the rich history and the culture and about the product. Earth Air's artisanal products provide modern interpretations of designs that celebrate the cultural heritage of the people who make them. This bag is hand-woven by indigenous women using natural materials, including rattan and pandan leaves. A pair of earrings with hand-stitched patterns made by refugees was inspired by Middle Eastern motifs. These bags are produced by refugees and local artisans living in Malaysia. Refugees coming here is not because they want to be parasites and take things from us. They came here because they just want to have a life where they can support their families. Yeah. If we give them a chance to earn an income, they would be very happy 
to earn that money and support their own families, like work hard, earn money, support their family. We should be at least treat them like humans, you know, give them the dignity of being able to support themselves. Yeah. So, you know, our motivation is to be able to build, grow something sustainable that helps the communities that we work with, how many hours it takes to make it, how many years it takes to perfect the skill to make something by hand. Um, and that's also what we hope to help Malaysians understand, you know, like just because uh, it's made by a lady in a village doesn't mean that you know, you only pay her like peanuts, you know. You need to pay her for the value of her skills that has taken years to build up. So essentially, we're helping communities and we're helping the culture be sustained. Yeah. So I think what we do is, to me, more than a fashion brand, it's not just about, oh, buy this bag, you know. It's about this bag is changing lives. This bag is impacting humans. Yeah. Kimis was born in Malaysia, a member of the country's Indian minority. At the age of 13, she was sent away to a boarding school in Singapore to seek a better education. Born in a poor family, her father always emphasized the importance of remaining humble in life. My father had always... Um, he always helped a lot of people. So, you know, even when we didn't have much, he would always um, give what we have to other people. You know, and I remember when I was growing up, sometimes I'd be angry because I'd be like, why are you giving my toy to someone else? You know, but he would be like, oh, because that person can never afford this. You know, he's like, you, we can always buy another one, right? He had this... Um, great generous uh, heart and generous spirit. So I learned those things from my dad, yeah. Kimis then moved to the U.S. to attend a top business school. After graduation, she began working at an investment bank. Everybody was making money, but I was driven in a different way. Um, for me, it wasn't just um, money, and, um, you know, coming from Malaysia, living in New York, um, I was very concerned about um, things that happen outside uh, around the world. What you actually need is people who are going to create solutions, you know. So you need money, but you also need the people who are going to use the money to do good, right? Um, so I decided to quit my job. But then Kimis left the corporate world. She journeyed to Cambodia to find her purpose in life. She built English schools in rural villages where she got to know a lot of silk weavers. I met with a lot of um, silk weavers in Cambodia who were really struggling with selling their products. So I started buying from them uh, to sell to my friends. It was just a hobby. I, it wasn't a business idea or anything. I was just doing it to see if I could do a little, something little to help them. If you really want to help these women um, long term and you want to re like make a real difference in their lives, this cannot be a hobby. 
you have to start a business so that you can keep buying from them and you can keep selling and help them. And then I realized that as a Malaysian, you know, when I travel, I didn't have very many options to find nice Malaysian-made products, you know, that showed Malaysian artisans and showed the heritage of Malaysia and, um, and helped communities. So many other communities are marginalized in Malaysia that may not have an opportunity to earn an income. So um, I realized that there's a gap in the market. Uh, so at that point, I decided to come back to Malaysia. If I want to create change in my country, then I have to go back and be a part of that change rather than being outside and complaining about my country. She returned to Malaysia and founded Earth Air in 2013. She then started selling products made by local artisans whose traditions were dying off. Her search for traditional artisans took her all across Malaysia. I worked with one of our first artisans. She had never made, so the order was for almost 500 bags. She had to weave 500 bags. So she was like, I can't make it. That's too many, I'm alone. So then I was like, no, you, you can do it. You know, I helped her understand that she could actually hire other people, pay other people to weave, and she would still make enough money. So then I saw how it changed her life. You know, instead of me just buying 10 bags, 20 bags, you know, every month, when I were able to order 500 bags, it gave her so much money. At that point, when I was talking about the concept of social enterprise, about building a business or starting a business to help people, um, there weren't many people who understood what we were doing. I mean, I got uh, asked questions like, if you are helping people, why are you making money? People are very skeptical. People didn't understand the concept of social enterprise. And it was difficult for us to run a business and, and to build a business and things like that. You know, and I was still working from home. We didn't have the space. Like, all the stock was in our living room, in my bedroom. And I was like, you know, is this the right way to spend my life? Or, you know, what, should I just give up? Maybe I should just give up and stop and close down Earth Air. In 2015, she attended a workshop in New York with 25 women from around the world. The experience opened her eyes and prepared her for her next challenge. During the fellowship, I met with a lot of other uh, women and other people who were supporting my work. Uh, I mean, and they said, you're doing a good thing, don't give up. You know, and I got some new ideas. So when I came back from the U.S., I spent about two or three months renovating uh, the space. And that's when things started changing because we finally having a space. They could come and meet with me, see the products, and, you know, I could explain what we were doing. So uh, early on, we started working on the products to make sure that there is a uh, design element. So we actually think about um, how can we improve this product or is it already very good or how can we make this more comfortable for the person using it. People should not devalue the products because they are made in by marginalized communities. You know, because 
human psychology. If it's a brand, it's a company, we're like, wow, right? So it was important to me that we build a brand so that people respect and appreciate the story and they appreciate um, the product, right? Uh, and it's also important to be able to change the mindset of people about handmade things. After she opened her own studio, customers were drawn to the stories of marginalized communities that lay behind the beautiful products. Her sales quickly increased. Soon she was able to turn a profit. Soon after, officials at the United Nations offered Chemis the opportunity to work with refugees as well. We were approached by um, UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency. Uh, they came to us and they said, oh, we've seen the work that you're doing with marginalized communities. Uh, we have a new project in mind. Uh, would you like to be involved? Um, so they, um, UNHCR actually gave us funding to start a new project uh, to make refugee products. Our jewelry range is made by different refugees, like made by the Afghan refugees, made by the Syrian refugees, made by the Myanmar refugees. So one person can do the cross stitch, another person can do the setting. You know, so different people do, um, yeah. So it's all a combination of all of their efforts. You have to make sure that everybody that you work with is treated well, is um, paid fairly for their, for their work. You know, you can't exploit people, right? So one of the things we started doing was we started giving the breakdown of the price of our products. So for example, if, you know, this is a hundred ringgit, we broke down the price to how much goes to labor and materials, how much goes into marketing, how much goes into transport, and how much goes into overheads. So people know exactly of that product that they are buying, how much Earth Air is getting, and how much goes into all the other things, right? If you buy from a social enterprise, you're supporting the sustainability of the social enterprise and you're supporting a community. I think now more uh, people understand what social enterprise is about, yeah. It has ha actually helped educate us and it has become a tool for us to raise awareness in Malaysia about refugees. The coronavirus pandemic forced Kimis to close the shop temporarily. But she asked her refugee partners to volunteer for another project instead. They've made more than 7,000 sets of personal protection equipment for frontline medical workers. They left their home and put themselves at risk to be able to sew, to help our hospitals, you know, our medical personnel, and to help Malaysians. Yeah. So it's like they are giving back to the country that they are in. Yeah. They are happy that they have been able to help. They came and they helped our country. People were like, oh, good. Refugees are earning money and supporting themselves, you know? And I was like, this is what we want. We want people to understand that refugees don't come here because they want free money, you know? They do actually want to work. I think the sentiments change. Uh, so hopefully people will become less xenophobic and less antagonistic towards refugees. Be bold, never give up.
you just keep going, keep going, and keep doing it, and you hope one day things will change for the better. You know, when you do good things, you are leaving a positive legacy for other people, so that they can also leave their own positive legacy. So it, it's to change the perception that people have. So I think for us, you know, like what we do at Earth Air, it's not just about selling jewelry. It's not just about selling a bag. It's about changing what people think. It's about changing mindsets, right? And it's about changing what people think about refugees. It's about <laughs> educating Malaysians. This bag is impacting humans. Be bold. Never give up. Sasabai's slogan serves as an inspiration for all those who believe that you can do well while doing good. As a society, we're too quick to see refugees and marginalized communities as a social problem that needs fixing. Sasabai doesn't think that way. She realizes that we're all human beings, yearning for a better life. When people flee their homes, they never leave empty-handed. They carry with them their know-how, their traditions, their cultural heritage. Sasabai provides an avenue for these communities to showcase their talents and enrich everyone's economic and social life. She is actively laying the groundwork for a wealthier, more robust society. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. You can find the transcript as well as our other stories on the NHK World website. I'm Alex Stille. Join us next time for more mind-expanding insights from inspiring people on Vision Vibes. <laughs>